This is Darren Davis, founder and senior leader of the Harbor Church in South Florida, and you are listening to the Harbor Church Podcast. For more information about this podcast and others, visit us online at harborchurch.org. Enjoy the podcast. Good morning. I'm just going to put this down because it'll just get in my way. Good morning, everyone. How's it going? Yeah? Having a good morning so far? Before I jump into our message, I actually want to just give a quick announcement. Um, How many of you have ever been through Harbor Life? Yeah, come on, Harbor Life, woo-woo! Um, next, next month, the, money, uh, the month of March, we're actually restarting our Harbor Life classes. And maybe for those of you who are relatively new to our community, you're looking away for a way to get plugged in on a deeper level, Harbor Life is your next step, right? It's how you can find out what is the DNA of our house, what are our core values, right? And so if you want to get plugged in, at that deeper level, you can go on the website, harborchurch.org, and you can sign up for Harbor Life starting next month. It's a series of classes, and it'll begin in March. Sound good? Yeah. So this morning, we're, I think, I believe I'm the last one wrapping up um, this series, um, One Heart. I'm wearing my heart pendant this morning to mark the occasion. No, actually, I didn't, I didn't plan that. But then I realized on the way here, I was like, I'm wearing a heart pendant for the One Heart series. Awesome. Pretty cool. <laughs> um, with the One Heart series, we've just been talking about the church, right? All of us being unified in our affection, centered on the person of Christ, empowered by the Holy Spirit to come into the fullness of new creation reality, first for ourselves and then for the whole world, right? Um, And so that's kind of what we've been talking about. And I really love the title, like One Heart, right? It's just so powerful because really, when it comes down to it, the decisions that we make in our lives always boil down to what's in our hearts, right? Um, So this morning, what I actually want to talk about is the posture of our hearts as it pertains to Jesus. Yeah. So can we pray for a minute? And not like just pray because like it's kind of like the order of what we always do, but pray because prayer means something. Prayer is powerful. It's a way that we can connect with God. It's a way that we set our attention on him and say, okay, wait a minute. There's all these things going around. There's my phone. There's all these people. There's all these bright lights. But no, 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 I'm actually going to take a minute. I'm locking eyes with you, and we're conversing here, right? So can we do that just for a minute? Holy Spirit, we're just so grateful for you. And we just take a moment to say that this is all about you. (laughs) And we just take a minute to invite you. Because it's not even just what is spoken, but it's how you come and illuminate to us the revelation. You come and you illuminate. And so we just, each one of us in our own way, we just say, come. We make space for you. We say that you can come and you can renew our minds. You can come and do a deep work in our hearts. We just lay the ground for you to have 
your way. Amen. Amen. So yeah, talking about Jesus this morning. (laughs) Jesus is a pretty uh, controversial person in history. Right? All throughout history, there's been different perspectives about who he is or who he was in history, right? Even today, I think if you were to go to the grocery store or shopping mall, right, and you were to survey random people and you would ask them, who was Jesus? Who is Jesus? You would get a variety of answers, (laughs) right? Some I think in our culture right now, kind of the hip thing is like to see him as like this moral teacher or like this advocate for those in the margins of society, right? So like he's a pretty cool guy, right? Um, They kind of highlight that aspect of who he is. Others perceive him as a prophet, right? Placing him in the same category as Joseph Smith or Muhammad, right? Um, Some even might see him as a charlatan, right? And there's all these um, accounts of his miracles, and they kind of dismiss that as hearsay amongst his followers. And still others think he's like a lunatic, (laughs) right? Who was deluded by his own belief in his authority and divinity. And so this morning, as I stand before all of you, the bride, the body, like those who know Jesus, love Jesus, like walk with him in your daily lives. I have a question for you. And it's a question that I've been asking myself. So I'm asking it to you too this morning. If Jesus in the flesh were to walk into this room and approach you, would the eyes of your heart recognize him? What about if you were in the grocery store or you in the mall and he just walked up to you? Even if he was, even if his form was unrecognizable, but in your interaction with him, would your heart be able to discern who he is? And in a world where there's so many mixed messages about Jesus, um, and there's so much swirl <laughs> going on. Um, I actually want to spend the next few moments looking at Luke 24, right? And this gives us a, a well-known story where two of Jesus' followers who, who followed him throughout his, early, who throughout his earthly ministry, they actually found themselves in a situation where Jesus was standing right in front of them, and they could not recognize him. And so here is the context, right? So Jesus has just died. Right? And um, there's, so they were despairing. The disciples were despairing. And then three, on the third day, um, there's kind of this report circulating that his body is no longer at the tomb (laughs) where he was laid. And they're still super disappointed. And they're traveling on the road to Emmaus. And it's as they're making their journey that Jesus appears to them. And so this is where we pick up. So if we can get Luke 24, beginning in verse 13 on the screen. And it says, Now that same day, two of them were on their way to a village called Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. Together they were discussing everything that had taken place. And while they were discussing and arguing... (laughs) 
Jesus himself came near and began to walk along with them. But they were prevented from recognizing him. Then he asked them, what is this dispute that you're having with each other as you are walking? And they stopped walking and looked discouraged. The one named Cleopas answered him, are you the only visitor in Jerusalem who doesn't know the things that happened there in these days? What things? He asked them. So they said to him, the things concerning Jesus, the Nazarene, who was a prophet, powerful in action and speech before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be sentenced to death, and they crucified him. But we were hoping that he was the one who was about to redeem Israel. Besides all this, it's the third day since these things have happened. Moreover, some women from our group astounded us. They arrived early at the tomb, and when they didn't find his body, they came and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they didn't see him. And he says to them, How unwise and slow you are to believe in your hearts all that the prophets have spoken. Didn't the Messiah have to suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted for them the things concerning himself In all the scriptures, they came near the village where they were going, and he gave the impression that he was going farther. But they urged him, stay with us because it's almost evening, and now the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And it was as he reclined at the table with them that he took the bread, blessed and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. But he disappeared from their sight. So they said to each other, weren't our hearts ablaze within us while he was walking with us on the road and explaining the scriptures to us? And that very hour, they got up and returned to Jerusalem. They found the eleven and those with them gathered together who said, the Lord has certainly been raised and appeared to Simon. Then they began to describe what happened on the road and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. So I'm getting like so touched by this, right? Because this is such a powerful scripture. doesn't matter how many times I read this. I'm amazed over and over that these men who walked with Jesus, they sat under his teaching. Like they followed him. And he comes and he stands right in front of them and they cannot perceive him. Right? And so what is it about his appearance? What is it about this circumstance that keeps them from seeing who he is? And we, see, we know in verse 16, it says that they were prevented from recognizing him. Um, but different translations actually interpret this verse differently. <laughs> if you actually go and read the scripture in different translations, you'll see. Um, and you can see some believe that God was the one who actually came and like hindered their perception. Um, We know from Mark, the gospel account of Mark, that when Jesus did appear to his disciples, it says that he was in another form. So there's that. But I think when I read this, this narrative, I think what's important here, and I think what's being highlighted, is the perspective of the disciples. See, 
These men were Jews. <laughs> they were familiar with scripture. They were familiar with the promise that there was going to be a Messiah who was going to come and redeem Israel and restore their kingdom, right? Because at this point, they're under the, the, the Roman rule, right? So they're politically oppressed by Rome. And so they know the scripture. They know the history that there's going to be this one who's going to come and redeem them and restore their kingdom. And they have hope in their hearts for this, right? And as they've walked with Jesus, they've come to believe this is the one. He is the one who's going to do this. But then he dies. <laughs> and that's a bummer. Because if you're going to be the king and you're going to lead people to like uprise and like take back their own independence, you don't die. If you didn't know, right? You don't die. That would make you a failed Messiah. Because you didn't take back the kingdom, the political kingdom that they were believing that was going to be established because that's what God wanted to do. It was all about politics and about power. That's not, that, that, we don't know anything about that in our culture. We don't know anything about that. Okay, so I'm, 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 I'm leaving that alone. I'm leaving it alone for a minute. But with his death came the end of their dream, right? And I don't know about you, but I think if you live on this planet for more than five minutes, right, um, you could know that there are things, there's circumstance situations, right, where you had a perception of how things were going to go, and then it just doesn't turn out that way, right? Like, I've been there. I'm sure you've been there. And that's, the, that's where these men find themselves as they're journeying. They, ha- and they had this perspective of what Jesus was going to do, who he was, and then he dies. And what's so interesting to me is that there's actually a report as they're traveling that, like, the body is missing. And they're still uber discouraged as they're walking. This is the part that always just really fascinates me, right? Like, there's a report that, like, nobody knows where the body is. And they're still really discouraged. And Jesus, see, Jesus is king, and he was a different kind of king in the earth. He, he tells them, before he dies, he tells them, hey, guys, I'm going to suffer, I'm going to be killed, and then I'm going to be raised. Like, he has this conversation with the disciples, like, multiple times. Right? I mean, in one famous instance, like, Peter is like, that is not going to happen to you, <laughs> right? No, and it's because their minds cannot comprehend. They are so offended by the thought that a king would die. That is not part of their perspective. And so it's so incongruent with their understanding of royalty, It's so incongruent with their understanding of what it means to be a leader. And as Jesus walks with these men along the road, though they are unable to recognize him, he's able to see inside of them. And he sees their hopelessness. And he reveals its source. 
he calls it out and he says, how come you're so slow hearted to believe? All that the prophets have spoken, that the Messiah would have to die and then come into his glory. Why are you so slow hearted to believe? And every time I read that, I just go, God, because we know that God is good, right? And we know that God is kind. We know that God says good things to us, right? But when you're a friend of God, that means that God can tell you the tough things too. True friends can hear a hard word from one another and know that we're still friends and know that there's still love there, right? And, <laughs> and I would think, man, if, I were, if God said this to me, like if I heard God say to me in the, in the utmost love, Amanda Leah, why are you so slow-hearted to believe? I think I would just disintegrate into a thousand pieces. I'd be a puddle on the floor because that's such a heavy word, right? And he says, what, are, what is it that they're slow-hearted to believe in? That the Messiah would have to, to die and suffer. And then unto glory. And then enter into his glory. Right? And he exposes that there is this resistance in, this, in the heart to this notion of a suffering king. And I think 2,000 years later, we as Jesus followers still wrestle with this reality. I mean, just think about it. Like, how do we choose our leaders? Oftentimes when you think about leadership, you think who's the loudest person in the room, who's taking charge, and who's not afraid to fight their way to the top. I mean, I've seen it outside of the church, and I've seen it in the church, right, unfortunately. And, and that's why the cross is so important, because it reveals the ways in which Jesus rules and reigns that is completely contrary to the ways of our culture, <laughs> right? Any perspective that distances Jesus from the death he had to die perverts the gospel. And and so whether, you know, even in our time right now, whether it's this emphasis of Jesus as a moral teacher or an advocate, you know, for the marginalized. And yeah, he was those things. But if you emphasize that and that alone and you don't acknowledge his divinity, you don't acknowledge that he walked in harmony in perfect step with the father, knowing his heart, laying down his own life doing for us what we could not do for ourselves so that we could live differently. So that new humanity, apart from our brokenness, apart from the sin, apart from sin, could actually be possible for us. Unless you acknowledge all of that, <laughs> we're missing the mark. We're missing the mark. And so it's as these two disciples are walking along the road, failing to see the one who had captured their hearts, captured their allegiance, it's only when <laughs> he breaks bread before them that their eyes are opened and they recognize him. And every time I read that, gosh, I'm so gripped, guys. Because what is it about the breaking of the bread? What is it symbolic of? Come on, guys, you know it. Right? Come on. 
this, this was just him, right? Just before the Lord's Supper. And what is he doing? This is my body that is broken for you. This is my blood that's going to be spilled out. And he's been walking with them this whole time. And it's not until he takes the bread, the symbol of his broken body, what he has accomplished for them. And it's not until he reenacts that for them. Then now they're able to see, to put it another way, to put it another way, it's, it's, it's through the lens. As Jesus stands them before, as Jesus stands before them resurrected, he's the resurrected Christ right in front of them. It's only through the lens of his death that they are able to actually, the person that he is actually comes into focus. The resurrected Jesus is standing in front of them, and it's not until they can acknowledge his death that who he is is actually made known to them. Like we as believers, we stand on resurrection ground for sure. But in order to be resurrected, you have to die. There is no resurrection without death. And it's so easy sometimes to want to bypass that. We want to bypass that process and we want to, we want to just stand in the victory, but it's not, un- but where's the death, right? Where is the reality of what Jesus paid for? And what does that look like as it's getting worked out in our lives? What is it that we're dying to day in and day out so that that resurrection power is a real reality? Or is it just, woo, <laughs> hype? Is it just, I'm living my best life, hashtag, right? Like, I'm, I, you know, I got all my stuff taken care of. It's like, that's the world's definition of success. And it's not that, like, hey, having a nice house, having, it's not that those things aren't good. But that's not resurrection power. The American dream is not resurrection power. The fight for the American dream is, and I'm a proud American in the room, right? Latino American in the room. I am proud to be a Latino American in this country. But the American dream is not where the power is at. It is in our identification with God and his death that brings the power in our lives. And if we are going to be little Christs in the earth, if we are going to be a powerful church that the world looks at and whether they agree with us or not, but actually see that we have authority, if we're going to have any real authority, not influence because we're cool and we wear the cool clothes when we come on stage and we have the best sound or whatever it is. No, 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 no. Yeah, those are things are well and good. Sure. But that's not where authority lies. That is not where authority lies. And we have to be so in tune with who the person of Jesus is that we could stay the course and not veer off. There's just so much swirl right now in the world, so many mixed messages. And if we lose sight of who Jesus is, we lose sight of who we are. And we lose our authority in the earth and we become a social club that the world likes to make fun of. Because we say a lot of good things or a lot of things that they don't like and then we don't always live them and it just gives them another reason 
to not like us and to think that there's no power there. And you know what? None of that has anything to do with Jesus and who he is. Yeah, are we good this morning? <laughs> We're okay. I know it's so heavy. <laughs> I feel the weight of it. But these, these are the things I've been, guys, I'm preaching to myself as much as I'm preaching to all of you. Like, these are the questions that I'm asking myself. This is the stuff that I'm processing with Jesus on a daily basis. And so what I, what I love, one of the other parts of this scripture that I love, and it says that after Jesus breaks the bread and the perspective of who he is comes into focus, Jesus disappears. That's so like Jesus, right? I'm like giving you this great epiphany and then off I go. Right? And now you have to sit with it and just so like Jesus. If you're walking with Jesus for a few, you, you know, right? Like he'll just drop like this like amazing, you know, illumination to you. And you're like, oh, and then it's like, okay, now just sit with that. Um, so Jesus does that. And I'm like, oh, he disappears. And then it says that they reflect, right? And they, they say to one another, we're in our hearts. And there's different translations of that. I love the one where it says, we're in... We're in our hearts burning within us when he spoke to us, when he was revealing who he was in the scriptures to us. We're in our hearts burning. And I feel like, you know, as, you, as we all journey with Jesus, right, there's, there's all these things that we have to process and overcome and navigate through. And it's, it's when we keep the truth of who Jesus is in the center of our lives, that keeps the fire alive. That's what keeps our hearts, that's what keeps the flame stoked. Because the way of the cross is a way of hopes dashed and expectations shifted. Like, like, you, like I'm telling you in advance, right? Like this is, this is what's going to happen, right? It doesn't mean that we live the, the lowest of low lives. Like there's plenty of hope and there's plenty of joy but there's parts of us that that die there's parts of us where hope feels like oh man goodness what is going when are you going to come through lord right that's part of the journey but when we keep perspective of who jesus is all the stuff all the false things that we put our hope in start to fade and we're able to stay like joyful and we're able to stay connected in the midst of all the things that we're going through. And so if, coming back to this idea of one heart, right? Like if we, if me, Manalia, right? If I'm going to move forward with, with one heart. If we, the bride, the church, are going to move together unified in one heart, it has to be around the revelation of Jesus, <laughs> The lion and the lamb, right? The wounded victor. And the ministry, um, the worship team, if you guys want to come up now. Um, I want to talk a little bit about this revelation of Jesus as the lion and the lamb. Because as I was putting together this message, I just kept getting this, this, this imprint about that. And I just love and how in the book of Revelation, this idea of Jesus being the lion and the lamb, it kind of is brought together. And we see this moment where John is having this encounter with God, right? God is revealing some things to him. And the book of Revelation is actually 
the revelation of Jesus Christ, right? That's what actually the book of Revelation is. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. And John is having this encounter with God. And he hears this phrase, right? There is one who is worthy. And he calls him, the, the voice that he hears, says, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered. And if I'm having an encounter with God and I hear someone say, a lion, right? What comes to mind? Like for me, I'm thinking a ferocious beast, right? Like mighty in stature and power. But when John turns to see, it's not what he sees. He doesn't see a lion. He sees a slain lamb. That is such a mind hack, right? Like, because he doesn't see, like, Jesus is the lion and the lamb, but he doesn't see half of a lion and half of a lamb. That's not the image. It's not the image of half lion and half lamb. No, he says the lion of the tribe of Judah. And then he sees a slain lamb. Just does, that just blows my mind because that does not align with my idea of what power looks like. He's redefining power. Jesus is mighty. Jesus is a lion. And what? where is his authority? Where does that might come from? It's because he laid down his life for all of us. That's how he demonstrated his authority in the earth. That is, his, that is his demonstration of power. Just to lay it all down for the sake of love. It's so countercultural. And I think it's I think we're at risk for it becoming countercultural even in the church. But we can't if we're gonna know who Jesus is. We can't if we're really gonna be his followers, if we're really gonna be ones with hearts burning following him in the earth with true passion and true authority and a word that can change people's lives not because it sounds pretty not because our lives are so fancy and we have the same kind of worldly influence as you know the Kardashians or all these different celebrities no it's because it's truth on the inside of us moving in power and because we lay it all down like he did we say, Holy Spirit, you bring the resurrection life. You bring the resurrection life. <laughs> we surrender to your way, and it's you who come and bring. You breathe on us. You come and you renew. It's what you do. It's what you do. We belong to the upside down kingdom. <laughs> but it's right side up, right? <laughs> It's the upside down kingdom, but it's really right side up. And this morning, we're not going to forget. We're not going to forget the cross. We're not going to forget the cross. We choose the way of the cross this morning. And it's easy as we're going around the world, moving around in our daily lives to get our lenses dirty. To get our perspectives jaded to start thinking that maybe, oh, maybe I just have to fight my way through and then I'll be successful. But this morning we're just surrendering. 
surrendering all of our disappointment, all of our own systems of belief about how things should work in the world. And we just come to you, Jesus. And we say we want your way. We say we want your rule in the earth, God. We embrace what it means to be kings and priests to the earth by laying down our lives in love. And so this morning, I just want to invite the ministry team to come. If this message resonated with you in any way, I invite you. Maybe your lenses need to get clean. Maybe your heart is burning right now and you just want to have someone come and partner with you about what Jesus is doing. Maybe you need physical healing in your body or there's a a relational situation that's happening in your life and you want someone to agree with you about that. Feel free to come and receive. Partner with someone else about what God is doing in your life. If you need to go get your kids, you're free to do that at this moment. But I don't want anyone to feel like they have to rush. I want you to be able to sit here and sit under what God is doing for you right now in this moment. And so Jesus, even as people are moving and people are going, doing what they need to do, you guys are free to go. You guys are free to get up if you need to. But we just say, Holy Spirit, come. Come and speak to us. Come and have your way in our hearts. You're good and you're kind and you lead us. You lead us in your way. And your way is good. (laughs) Your way is good. We trust you. We trust you.
Thanks for tuning in to the Harbor Church Podcast. I hope that you were enriched, inspired, and blessed by what you heard. Please subscribe on the podcast app and be sure to follow us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. You can also download our Harbor Church mobile app. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.